0: That's exciting. You wipe your hands on your pants after you pick up an earthworm? Seventh Generation is like, don't worry, hug a dirty tree, huff some bark, it's good for you. That is the power of Seventh Generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at seventhgeneration.com. I love worms. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And if you've heard me talk about Grammy, you know that she means the world to me. I wanted a dog for probably 10 years and I was living in an apartment, couldn't have dogs. When I finally moved somewhere else, I adopted her within weeks and it was love at first scratch. She's about two feet away from me as I record this. She hangs out in the studio and all I want to do is smooch her and look at her and stare at her. I also like feeding her because I see how happy it makes her. And there's nothing like watching her lick her chops after having yummy stuff like Grammy's paw pie or real Texas beef and sweet potato, which are two recipes she's been enjoying for America. As her parent, I like that they use deboned meat and fish or poultry as the number one ingredient. I also like that they have these real ingredients and you can see them on the bag so you know what's in each one. And watching her do a little dance, especially with a Grammy's Pop pie recipe, brings too much joy to my heart. Is there such a thing as too much joy? I'm not sure. But check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Hey, ologites. Hi, Allie Ward in your space. Hi, it's me. So, herps. Let's talk about it. Herpetology. What is it? Okay, it's the study of amphibians, like newts and salamanders and all froggies and toads and reptiles, uh, like tortoises and turtles and crocodiles, also snakes. What? Huh? Don't worry about them. Don't worry about it. Okay, listen, if you're afraid of the S word, we will address that. We will soothe your fears, for real. But herpetology, generally, it's a lot of different animals. And technically, it's the study of poikilothermic, ectothermic tetrapods. What are those words? Are they words? Yes, okay. I had to look it up, but I'm going to break it down. Poikilothermic, no idea how that's pronounced, means an animal whose internal temperature varies considerably. Exothermic is when the regulation of your hot bod depends on external sources like sunlight or a heated rock surface. Now, a tetrapod means four-legged, although I think of a toad and tell me, tell me those front two aren't arms. Like, toads have hands, right? Am I on drugs? Okay, so herpetology. Okay, what's the etymology here? It's far more brutal than you can even imagine. So, you think herpes and herpetology— Maybe this was about scales, like scaling it. I had no idea. I was like, skin rashes? Okay, it's more poetic. So the viral skin conditions, which for fun, we're going to call Jenny herpes, uh, cold sores, chicken pox. Those come from the herpes virus, which comes from a Greek word, herpene, which means to creep, like a rash. That's where it comes from. Now herpetology comes from the Greek hair Same word to creep. Not really helping this image issue is the fact that when you think of adults who keep lizards in a tank in their garage, like the word creep may or may not come into play. But once you understand the splendor of green and scaly critters, you'll be like, "Oh man, I too want a reptile condo in my home." Now, every time you hear the word creep in this episode, a bell will sound, and you can feel free to take a a big sip of whatever beverage you're having, or you can do a small inconspicuous dance. Speaking of, let's take a quick break to step into a segment I like to call Creepin' Your Reviews. So when you rate and subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, it helps get ologies up in the science charts and it helps other people find the podcast. Also, I record all my asides in a closet and it really makes my day. So I read every single one of them and I'm going to read you a fun one every week. Okay. Bloody blah said, the format is great. Allie's interjections are awesome and it makes the podcast unique. Almost like those 90s TV shows where the character is aware of the camera. Okay, another way to support Ologies is just tell friends. Tweet or Instagram about it. You can make some memes. And on Instagram this week, Ologies is giving back. We're doing a giveaway of a full enamel pin set. We've never done a giveaway before. I don't really know how it works. So we'll see how it goes. So check out at ologies on Instagram for the details. Uh, You can also become a patron. My heart is cheap, and I set the Patreon to have the lowest threshold I think possible, so you can support the show for as little as 25 cents an episode. It is statistically feasible that at least one person on Earth has 25 cents in loose change lingering in their butt crack right now. Uh, patrons get their questions first to theologists. Uh, there's also other perks like increased self-esteem. Uh, you get my undying uh, non-sexual love. Okay, on to theologist. So I was a fan of this doctor on the website twitter.com for a while, where as alongside Wild, he enjoys a healthy 22,000 followers. He follows exactly 666 back. I always respected his really swift, kind of somewhat gruff identifications of snakes from these like blurry, probably mid-running away photos that people would send him. People would be like, ah, snake, take a picture, and then at him on Twitter. And I thought, one day, I want to hang out with this person. I want to ask about his love of snacks and herps. And as fate would have it, I was in Alabama for less than 24 hours shooting Innovation Nation. That's the science show I'm on on CBS every Saturday morning in case you want some Allie Ward science content that does not involve casual use of the term motherfucker. Anyway, Alabama. So as an associate research professor at Auburn University, he was a local and he agreed to meet me. Where else? folks, but I hamped it in at 8 p.m. after I flew in. Here's the problem. I had been in four states and four time zones so far that day, and a very kind Alabama front desk lady set us up in a conference room, and as I went to record, I realized I didn't have an SD card in my Zoom recorder. So I left this alone. In the Hampton Inn, while I borrowed my producer's rental car, I sped to a Best Buy. I purchased a 64 gig SD card. I should be covered. Then I came back to Hampton Inn only to realize that Zooms inexplicably only take up to 32 gig cards. I don't know why. So at this point, I left this herpetologist again, now 9 p.m., in this Hampton Inn conference room and kitchenette to recklessly drive to the Best Buy again. At this point, I requested that he set a timer to see if I could make it back in under 15 minutes. I thought, let's make a game of this. At this point, he can only assume I'm clinically insane or a, a, a truly ineffectual murderer. So, hustling, round two, I made it in 13 minutes. So, by the time we actually recorded this episode, we had the rapport of two people who had been stranded on an island in a slapstick movie from the 1930s. It's one of my favorite interviews ever, ever. I love it. We address turtles, snake IDs, the fear of snakes, tools for herpin, why York is a lot like a cave salamander, uh, nudists, frog storms, a lot of behind the scenes Indiana Jones trivia, uh, the ethics of hunting, and conservation biology. It's great. So get ready to let herps into your heart with polyologist and herpetologist Dr. David Steen. record okay dude it looks like this is recording (laughs) this is a really big victory okay i'm gonna get your levels you are a soft spoken person yeah i I would
1: i can turn it up a little bit if if i need to
0: i would get uncomfortably close to the microphone these are like stand up comedian microphones so they expect you to be up in their business so I think my internet's up and running I mean I I should just I feel like I should just burn sage around myself (laughs) what kind of ologist do you identify with like an ecologist a wildlife biologist a herpetologist what do you call yourself
1: well I've certainly been called worse than any of those things Uh, it depends on who I'm talking to Uh, In general, I like to think of myself as a wildlife ecologist and conservation biologist. So I study how wildlife interact with other species and their surroundings. But most of the work that I do relates to amphibians and reptiles, and that's where the herpetology comes in.
0: So are you a herpetologist?
1: Yeah, we can go with that. Okay. Yeah, I study amphibians and reptiles. So yeah, I think it would be accurate to call me a herpetologist.
0: I became aware of you on Twitter because you're like fire when it comes to snake IDs. Like someone will send you the Sasquatch equivalent of like, it looks like a rope from half of a football field away. And you're like, oh, that's a copper headed. Like, how do you know? How did you get so good at that?
1: Well, I like to think that it's kind of like how you recognize friends and family. You're not necessarily <laughs> – it's true though. You're not necessarily looking at the length of someone's mustache or the color of their eyebrows. You're just, you just recognize them. And, and I think that is how I see the snakes. So you don't necessarily have to – well, I don't necessarily have to look at, for those really specific features. It's just an overall feel.
0: So it's like if someone's like, who's this? And you're like, that's Aunt Janet. Like, it's just boom.
1: That's exactly right. And that's why it makes it hard to answer the questions when people say, well, how can you tell it's this and not this? And because it isn't, you know, so it's, and I don't want to make people think that that's how I identify snakes because there's always exceptions.
0: How many books about snakes did, have you read and when did you start reading them?
1: I've read 46 books about <laughs> snakes, uh, but the night is young, so
0: <laughs> you started them this morning. <laughs>
1: that's right. Um, I don't know. I, I do have a lot of reference books. Growing up, I I like to learn about the creatures around me, and so uh, between 50 and 100 books, something like that.
0: Did you start young? Did you start getting amphibian and reptile books when you were a kid for like every occasion?
1: Yeah, I have always been interested in creepy, crawly things and like to spend times in streams and looking under rocks and things like that. Uh, So my family was very supportive, and I was inundated with all the reptile and amphibian toys and books that I could imagine. I started with dinosaurs, but it evolved.
0: Where exactly were you raised?
1: I'm from New York, and I've spent most of my life there.
0: What part of New York?
1: Well, it's – when I say New York, people often imagine the city, and I actually lived in Orange County, New York, which is about 45 minutes away from the city. It's surprisingly rural. Uh, it's near Bear Mountain State Park and Sterling Forest. We had bears, timber rattlesnakes, you name it. So it was a fun place to be.
0: When you were growing up, did your parents just let you loose? Were you like a free-range child, like go out, don't get caught in some barbed wire, go look at stuff? Or were you like an indoor kid reading books?
1: Uh, I think that's a little bit of both. It, It was definitely a different era. And I remember people talk about watching Stranger Things and how the kids can just wander off and have fun and catch frogs. And so there was definitely a lot of that.
0: Side note, a few years ago, some research came out that kids are not any less safe than they were a few decades ago. In fact, crime in America peaked in the early 1990s and has been going steadily down since. There was an article in the Washington Post called... There's never been a safer time to be a kid in America, and it has stats and graphs on the falling crime rates. So why is helicopter parenting on the rise? Well, one 2016 study claimed that Americans' fear of crime is statistically related to the level of violence portrayed on primetime TV And another study tracked that the less satisfied we are with a government, the more likely we are to misjudge and inflate danger. So I don't have kids. If I had a dog, I would probably put it in a papoose and it would never be more than a meter away from me. But the website freerangekids.com seems to make a case for just chilling out and letting your children romp off leash. I don't know. Up to you. They could also just read a book.
1: But I was also uh, kind of a bookworm. uh, So... A little bit of both.
0: Just sitting by a stream, reading a book about snakes, looking for snakes.
1: Sounds pretty nice, right? This
0: is my life. (laughs) Now, how long have you been in Alabama? Because we're in a Hampton Inn conference room in Mm -hmm. Opelika? Opelika. Opelika. Pardon me? Alabama. So how how long has a New York guy been in Alabama?
1: I've been in the South since 2004, uh, but they say it doesn't matter how long. I'm down here, I'll always be a Yankee. Um, I'm okay with that.
0: Are the snakes better in New York or Alabama?
1: See, I don't really want to offend anybody or piss anybody off, and that's really kind of a controversial statement. But New York doesn't have as many snakes. Okay. But they've got some cool ones like timber rattlesnakes, and they're rarer up there. We've got timber rattlesnakes down here too, but they're kind of a dime a dozen. They show up right in town, actually, Um, much to everybody's dismay.
0: As a born and bred West Coaster, I know nothing about timber rattlers. Nothing. But I found out they're potentially one of the most dangerous snakes in North America because they're big, they have a lot of venom, they are also relatively chill as hell, and they warn you a bunch before they strike. They're like, come on, man, come on, rattle, rattle. So they give you fair warning. They're also kind of famous as a symbol of American anger, And resolve. So in the 1700s, all these European doctors came to the U.S. And they were like, my heavens, mm, these slinky beasts are no match for my shitty cures. So they were so badass, we started to envision ourselves as timber snakes. Benjamin Franklin, who is noted in the ornithology episode for throwing shade at garbage-eating bald eagles, was pro-herp. Listen to this. In 1775, he wrote... About timber snakes. She has no eyelids. She may therefore be esteemed an emblem of vigilance. Hmm, okay, well, she just doesn't have eyelids. She never wounds till she has generously given notice, even to her enemy. Was I wrong, sir, in thinking this a strong picture of the temper and conduct of America? Your hero, a timber rattlesnake. Um, you know that don't tread on me flag? that you've been seeing the last decade or so, that has a name. It's called a Gadsden flag. And the Tea Party adopted it in 2009 as kind of a GOP symbol. So it has these indignant Republican connotations now. But the poor timber snake, because on these posters and flags, there's usually just horrendously rendered coiling. And this snake always looks like a shit emoji to me, which is like, don't tread on me indeed. Now, more on why you should not be afraid of snakes later in the episode trust me do you get more frantic texts and tweets at different times of the year like do you know like okay it's rattlesnake season like i'm getting Mm -hmm. a lot of what is it
1: yeah yeah and and it is pretty interesting to look for those kinds of trends uh in the spring all the snakes many of the snakes are going to be coming out of hibernation so they're going to be basking and looking for food that's when a lot of people see them uh in the fall is when the vipers are looking for mates so they're going to be moving around more people are going to see them then Late summer, that's when the babies hatch or are born. And so you get tons of requests to identify babies.
0: So dead of winter is kind of like a, a quiet snake time.
1: Yeah, that's this is my downtime. That's why I can talk and I'm not uh, identifying lots of snakes right now.
0: Again, how I was able to sequester him for hours in a Hampton Inn. Well, why are people so freaked out by snakes reptiles amphibians i personally i'm down with them Mm -hmm. i'm totally fine with them but i have a certain brother-in-law i'm not going to mention him by name okay i talked to my sister celeste and i can tell you a little more so my brother-in-law is a professional heavy metal guitarist like he travels all over the world that is his job he has hair down to his waist he wears all black he plays a flying v guitar and i have seen him flip off amphitheater's Much to the crowd's glee. You do not mess with dudes like this. You just don't. But when it comes to snakes, the dude just cannot even. He is like a wonderful brother-in-law. He's a great person. And I find this to be his most endearing characteristic. He hates them. And I asked about this. My sister texted me. I believe he once walked off a photo shoot solely at the idea a snake could be there. He is a very tough looking person, Mm. but he can't even see one on TV. Why do, Why are some people freaked out by them? Like, have you found?
1: Yeah, we don't have the answer for that, but it's definitely the case. Believe it or not, you're not the first person to tell me that you know somebody that's scared of snakes. <laughs> yeah,
0: shocking, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it is really common. And there are some folks that point to research that say babies have this innate ability to recognize snakes. And that suggests that we have this Uh, we're born with this fear and I'm not entirely convinced of those arguments I think that we may have this innate ability to recognize snakes and react to them but society helps uh, push that initial reaction into fear Uh, ask anybody that does educational shows with snakes and you could see the kids running up they want to touch it, they want to feel it they want to ask questions about it and in the back of the room their parents are really scared. And then eventually the kids see the parents and they get scared too. So so I think it's largely society that influences something biological in us.
0: Maybe it's maybe it's biblical lore. Maybe it's just like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of these guys. They're troublemakers, man. For you know it, I'm going to have to put on underpants. It's just <laughs> going to be a downward spiral." So if you have children and you're afraid of snakes, you should bury your emotions and appear as though you're not bothered.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, well, look, parenting is not my expertise, but (laughs) I I think that it's important to let kids explore their curiosity and not get caught up in what you might be scared of.
0: Have you had any um, reptiles or amphibians or other wildlifey type of things as pets?
1: Yeah, growing up, I would catch everything that I could and then hide it in tanks in the basement and, (laughs) you know, beg my parents to buy me whatever was crawling around at the pet store, too. Uh, So I did have a lot of lizards and snakes and fish and salamanders and things like that. Uh, I was allowed to catch things from the wild, but I had to let them go in two weeks. That was the compromise.
0: You had a fortnight clause? Exactly. <laughs> it was like after one fortnight, the beast shall be returned
1: to the forest. <laughs> or you turn into one. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Do you have a Do you have a favorite animal? I'm sorry, um, that's such a dumb question. I don't care.
1: Well, I get asked it a lot, so you'd think I'd have a que- an answer ready. Uh, I, I kind of like. I, li- I like them overall. I like how they're interacting with each other. I like that each species that we know today has these unique look and these unique strategies, and just fit into the biodiversity puzzle in a different way. Um, there's something about eastern diamondback rattlesnakes, which are just really impressive. They're just they're the largest rattlesnake in the world. They're only found in the southeastern United States, and they just have this quiet power and dignity about them.
0: So it's a, so dignity. Is it, are there any just snakes are just clowns like just like the just idiots
1: uh so i guess i would think of the hognose snake <laughs> and it has all these strategies for uh not getting eaten basically it's gonna play dead it's gonna puke up its last meal it's gonna uh what's the language on this
0: oh you can say whatever uh, you it want. shits
1: all over itself <laughs> and you if you try to catch it um So I guess I, I, you know, these are all great strategies for not getting eaten, but they do kind of make them seem a little silly.
0: So hognose, snake, down to clown. Good to know. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So did you always want to do this or at what point did you decide I'm going to be a scientist who studies wildlife or did it kind of evolve where all of a sudden you were like, oh, whoa, I looked up and here I am. I guess I'm doing this.
1: I've always been interested in creatures, and if you had asked me in second grade what I wanted to be when I grew up, I'd say a naturalist. Didn't really know what that meant, but I liked nature, and Mm -hmm. so naturalist sounded good.
0: Quick aside, uh, naturalist is not to be confused with naturist, which is a person who subscribes to the notion that we should be nude more around each other and sometimes in public. I don't know. For more information, uh, Wikipedia Naturism, where you can read up on the nuances of the philosophy. Uh, you can also scroll through a gallery of nude people at festivals, in pools, uh, enjoying a barbecue in nothing but sneakers. So back to naturalists who like wildlife, um, which is also usually nude and sometimes just as hairy.
1: Over time, that evolved into zoology and wildlife management, and that's what I went to school for.
0: S- stupid question. I don't care. Okay. Do you have any favorite movies or television shows or least favorite ones about about reptiles and amphibians? Where you're like, they got it wrong. Or you're like, you know what? You nailed it.
1: Well, there's there's only some okay, so everybody wants to know about snakes on a plane, right? Right. (laughs) I'm here to tell you I've never seen it.
0: You've never seen that movie. Too close to home.
1: (laughs) I think I've gotten the gist of it
0: right snakes on a plane right scary snakes on a plane by the way was written by a first-time hollywood screenwriter shocking and it was originally titled venom it was turned down by more than 30 studios before it was finally made and it now enjoys a fresh rating of 69 percent on rotten tomatoes which seems like the perfect amount
1: but but it's fun anaconda is another movie i have seen that one and, you know, I, I can just kind of turn off the biologist side of my brain if I'm watching something that's clearly entertainment. On the other hand, sometimes people get their information about biology and snakes from movies. And I don't think anybody's looking to snakes on a plane to get their biology facts. So I'm okay with how outlandish it is. But, you know, something like The Jungle Book or Jurassic Park and things like that, people take that kind of information. And then that becomes um, what they know about biology so i'm a little harder on those kinds of of movies and tv shows
0: did you like the documentary jumanji
1: (laughs) the original or the remake just
0: kidding i've never seen jumanji i think there's animals in it what about um what about the scene where it rains frogs in magnolia were you like that would never happen
1: so it has happened
0: oh it did happen
1: that has happened before what yep so, okay, tell
0: me everything. Also, well, I'm so sorry if I just spoiled the ending of Magnolia.
1: Oh no, Yeah, I don't know if I've seen it. Okay. What happens in that one?
0: It rains frogs. Okay. It's fine.
1: That's the big reveal at and the end?
0: There's an emotional journey on the way there that's, okay. that's worth having.
1: So many frogs are breeding in these shallow, temporary wetlands, and if a big storm comes through, it could suck up that moisture, uh, and frogs in the process...
0: What?
1: Sure. I mean, you can imagine a tornado doing it, so maybe it'll be a step down from that.
0: So it's like a sharknado, but a rainstorm of frogs.
1: It's exactly like a frognado.
0: So how many frogs are we talking? Like, how long? does Is it like, oh, 10 frogs fell out of the sky? <laughs> or are we talking like, I gotta look into this. First off, I'm sorry I gave away that scene from Magnolia, but you have had 19 years to see it. So my apology is really just a formality and quite hollow. Also, frog storms are indeed a thing, as are fish storms, spider storms, toad storms, and worm storms. They think maybe a tornado-like water spout sucks them up and carries them and then rains them back down. Now, according to the Wikipedia page entry entitled Rain of Animals, quote, several witnesses of raining frogs describe the animals as startled but healthy and exhibiting relatively normal behavior shortly after the event. That's the good news. The bad news is there are examples where the product of the rain is not intact animals, but shredded body parts, which is a real bummer. I found this very stoic account on YouTube by a user called The Second Fleet from 2007.
1: Balnees Manor, 20th of February 2007,
0: 1300 hours zulu or greenwich Time. it's just been
1: raining frogs
0: it shows a paved path dotted with sadly smashed frogs so whatever kind of day you're having if toad arms and they are arms didn't land on your umbrella it's a good day for all of us
1: these are kind of the thing uh things of legend but there are you know reliable accounts of them
0: i'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions because we have so many questions um These are from listeners. I'm going to start with the Patreons because they are paying to support the podcast. So if you're not a patron – love them. Essentially, you can get your question bumped to the top. Very worth it. Right. But before we take questions from you, our beloved listeners, we're going to take a quick break for sponsors of the show. Sponsors? Why sponsors? You know what they do? They help us give money to different charities every week. So if you want to know where Ologies gives our money, you can go to AliWord.com and look for the tab Ologies Gives Back. There's like 150 different charities that we've given to already with more every single week. So if you need a place to go donate a little bit of money, but you're not sure where to go. Those are all picked biologists who work in those fields. And this ad break allows us to give a ton of money to them. So thanks for listening and thanks sponsors. squarespace.com slash ologies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. I recommend it to all my friends, even when I'm not recording an ad. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kid Busy Kiwi goes like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit, where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your Summer Adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the Great Outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a Trebuchet kit for ages nine to fourteen, an Entrepreneur where you can do textured play projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com ologiessummer ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at k-i-w-i-c-o dot ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything, Allie Ward. And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitam and has these high quality traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual as part of my, I guess, morning ritual. I, that's probably why they named it that and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. You can start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay. Your questions.
1: Now let me clarify, you're going to be yelling these questions very quickly. Am I also supposed to be answering them immediately? If you can. Briefly. Right. Okay.
0: I'll be screaming at the at you through mm-hmm. a bullhorn mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have four seconds to answer each one. I'm ready. That's not true. Okay. 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 But we do. We have a lot of questions. So Okay. You ready? Alex introni wants to know, are snakes just getting a bad rap, i.e. the Garden of Eden, or are they really a bunch of sneaky dicks? <laughs>
1: So snakes are really hard to find, they're always hiding, but I don't really think of them as sneaky, I think of them as scared. I mean, they do not want to be found, uh, so that's how I'd probably put a spin on that.
0: Oh, so they're just defensive. They're just Exactly. Like, eh, leave me alone.
1: Yeah, they don't want yeah, to sneak up on you, they do not want to be seen by you.
0: Okay, snakes, not sneaky. Cool.
1: Um, you heard it here first.
0: Late Night Pie wants to know what allows amphibians to live in a hybrid environment of water slash land? Do they breathe air or water? And also, if you had to kiss a frog, what kind would you pick?
1: Yeah, that covers a lot of territory there. It really does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So amphibians are a really diverse group, but the classic example is the frog that lives on land, it goes in water, lays its eggs, then it's a tadpole, then it turns into a frog, and that's, that's the classic amphibian life cycle. But there's a lot of exceptions. There's a lot of salamanders that never leave the water. Some frogs lay their eggs on leaves and they drop into the water. So lots of different strategies. Many have gills, and that helps them breathe in the water. They also have semi-permeable skin, which helps them uh, do some respiration through that. And others have lungs, and some have both over the course of their life.
0: So it varies. Yes. Axolotls have cool-ass gills, though. They just hang on to them. They look like uh, yes. they look like Vegas showgirl fans. <laughs> A little bit.
1: Yeah. Now that you mention it, that's true.
0: So an axolotl is a kind of salamander. It lives exclusively in a few lakes in Mexico, and it retains these baby characteristics, like these external gills, which look so much like one of Cher's fantastic feather fan headdresses from the 80s. I would also like to apologize to Slovenian cave alms, which are different than axolotls, but they still have baby gills, and they look like they're long-lost siblings.
1: So they're one of the unique examples that they never really grow up. The technical term is uh, pedomorph, uh, and they retain their juvenile characteristics. In this case, uh, an aquatic lifestyle and gills for their whole life.
0: Is that also called neoteny? Or is that something else? Is that only in breeding?
1: Yeah, let's see. That the pedomorph, I think, is re- retaining the juvenile characteristics. Neoteny, and I don't remember what oh, the difference is. Maybe that's
0: with breeding. So neoteny, that retaining of those juvenile traits, happens both in nature and in like the selective breeding that domesticated wolves into dogs, which are a lot like puppy wolves. Also, humans are an example of neoteny. I did not know that. And the retention of juvenile traits in us may have helped us develop better communication with each other. They're not sure. Also, it makes us look cute, like a baby. I always feel like one human being who has retained juvenile characteristics is Bjork. I always feel like she's just like a ah, like, ah, mm-hmm. like wonder. Yeah. What about um, if you had to kiss a frog, what kind would you pick? Is this going to be some poisonous frog that's going to get you lit?
1: <laughs> I don't know how to get consent from a frog, so I'm just going to let it go <laughs> on its way.
0: <laughs> Good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas Smith wants to know, what was the last snake to have legs?
1: Yeah, that's a pretty cool question. Because the general idea is that they all used to be lizards and then a group of animals kind of branched off, lost their legs and became snakes. So when does one of these animals stop being a lizard and start being a snake? That's kind of hard to say. Um, But we do have fossils to look at. Some snakes today still have these little remnants of legs like the boas and the pythons. (gasps) Yeah, they have these little vestigial limbs on the back.
0: They got nubbins?
1: They got nubbin legs, yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you go out there tickle their little nubbins?
1: <laughs> you could, yeah, as a matter of fact. And it's, you know, there's lizards that don't have legs, uh, and there's those snakes that have the little nubbins. So, you know, nature's really messy.
0: I did not know that. Um, that's pretty exciting. I'm excited. Right. That's pretty dope. I had no idea. Um, Russell Kelly wants to know, what's the biggest thing an anaconda can eat?
1: Uh so lots of people are being lots of people are scared of being eaten by an anaconda. There's no real reliable records of that happening. However, they can take large things like deer and pigs and maybe a small taper or caiman, which is the alligator relative that lives down in South America.
0: And humans?
1: You know, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's not something that I spend too much time worrying about.
0: Right. I feel like there's always disgusting photos on the internet you can find if you were to look for them.
1: Yeah, that's mostly pythons from Southeast Asia. Oh. When we're talking about people being eaten by snakes, it doesn't happen often, but when it does happen, it tends to be in Southeast Asia.
0: Why is that?
1: The snakes are big and the people are small. Okay.
0: So it's a – all right. So it's a ratio. All right. There you go. Um, Priscilla uh, Raymond wants to know, living in Australia, we have many deadly snakes. I know when you see one, you need to stand still. However, I hear that the tiger snake is aggressive. Should I stand still or poo my pants and run? And if I come across one of these bad
1: boys, what should I do? You know, if someone asks you, should I poo my pants? (laughs) Who's going to say no? The answer is always yes. Yes. Do that. Um, You know – a little respect goes a long way when it comes to dealing with snakes, even the uh, potentially dangerous ones. You know, Give them your space, their space and, and don't try and catch them, and that will cut down uh, your risk significantly. Uh, people think of snakes as aggressive. I think of them more as defensive. They're kind of responding to a threat. And so if you don't threaten them, you're probably going to be okay.
0: Right, like they're not out there hunting for humans.
1: No, what does a little snake have to gain by going after and starting a fight with somebody that's a hundred times larger.
0: Right. So they're just like, stay out of my space. Yeah.
1: You know, and if you threaten some species in some scenarios, it's going to, you know, bluff or come towards you a little bit and that can be per- perceived as aggressive. But again, it's because it was scared.
0: Uh, not, not a listener question, but have you ever been bitten by a snake with, uh, like with fangs?
1: Oh, a fanged snake. Uh, what is a fang anyway?
0: I mean a viper, a pit viper. So pit vipers are called that because they have these heat-sensing pit organs on either side of their head near the nostrils. So they have a sixth sense. They use infrared detectors to seek heat. How baller is that? And now here's some quick stats to banish your snake fears for good. You ready? Just here's some get real facts. These are taken from Dr. David Steen's website in the United States. Seven to 8,000 recorded venomous snake bites a year happen. On average, only about five result in death. He says this includes all the drunk knuckleheads that are showing off with a snake they caught. It includes all the people at rattlesnake roundups holding rattlesnakes and letting them strike at their boots. It includes all the religious snake handlers proving their faith. It includes the people who keep venomous snakes as pets. It includes all the wildlife researchers who handle live rattlesnakes as part of their job. It includes the pest control workers that remove venomous snakes from their hiding places. It includes all the Steve Irwin wannabes that harass venomous snakes for no particular reason. Uh, It includes the people who work with rattlesnakes to extract their venom every day. And it includes all the people who use shovels and other hand tools to kill snakes in their yard. All of that. Five people a year die. He says you can dramatically decrease your chances of being bitten by a venomous snake by promising not to be any of those people. So I know sometimes we feel afraid of snakes. Some studies have shown that children and babies aren't innately that afraid of snakes. It's really watching the parents' reactions to snakes that ingrains that fear in us. So don't waste your energy on being afraid of snakes. It's more likely that a falling TV will kill you, as it does to about 100 Americans a year. Snakes are terrified of you. They just want to eat rats in peace. So you have better things to worry about and better ways to stay alive, honestly, by putting your phone down and not having a TV topple on you. Now, has David, who is a professional herper and snake identifier, has he ever been bitten by a pit viper?
1: No, I haven't. Uh, I've been bitten by many non-venomous snakes, many, many, many. Uh, but I'm really careful around venomous snakes and to the point when I, people come and see me work, they're pretty bored because they grew up I mean, they grew up watching the TV and you're dancing around, you're flicking these snakes around. That's not how I do it, and uh, I've got all my fingers still, fortunately, because of that. What is that hook
0: called that looks like the thing that you turn the sprinklers on but you're handling deadly snakes with it? What is that
1: called? Sure, you can have a snake hook, which has a little bit more of a curve at the end of it, and there's also what's called a stump ripper, which is a little... <laughs> We got to come up with these fancy names for these things, right? A stump ripper. It's better than just a stick. Yeah, I mean, they're basically all just golf clubs, but that's not fun to say. Um, and the stump rippers are a little sturdier, and you can use them for flipping over logs and things like that, Where, which is where many snakes like to hang out.
0: Oh, so that's sort of just like a – that's like an all-access pass to the under-the-log scene. Exactly.
1: Got it. And there's a lot of variations. You can buy snake hooks of different size. You can buy them that retract, so you can travel with them. There's a there's a company out in uh, Denver, Colorado. They put all kinds of emblems and stuff on them. So this is kind of gear for herpetologists.
0: I looked and I found this one place, LiveTrap.com, that had an absolute glut of raccoon traps and stump rippers and snake hooks. Man. And they have a registry, which I imagine either causes a lot of friction among newly engaged couples or snaky people find their soulmates, and that warms my heart. How many snake hooks do you have?
1: I have one snake hook.
0: Okay. Is it your favorite? Or are you like, this is okay. I could upgrade.
1: Look, when you're a pro like me, you don't need all the accessories (laughs) and all the gimmicks. You just give me my standard snake hook.
0: This was was your big opportunity to get a shout-out or a sponsorship from, like— like with those platinum, those gold, crystal studded snake hooks.
1: Never and crack. Yeah, like in situation.
0: A, ta- a fine Italian snake hook. Okay, um, Mike <laughs> Mel- Melchior wants to know, have you ever been to Snake Island? I don't know if that is a euphemism.
1: Snake Island, he's referring or she is referring to a snake, an island that's off of Brazil. There's a ton of these venomous snakes. There's these pit vipers there. Really high densities. Every once in a while, there's a show about some expedition looking for treasure or snakes there. I've never been there.
0: Okay, there are a few good documentaries on Snake Island. Um, One's on National Geographic. It features this very God-voiced narrator detailing the tension between a snake and a bird. And then there's another full-length documentary put out by Vice, wherein this affable white guy, who looks like your friend's boyfriend, who's on an improv team, goes to Brazil and says things like,
1: if I'm going fucking crazy because we're sleeping on an island full of snakes. Pretty sure I'm going to die.
0: And then he interviews masked bio pirates who catch and smuggle the snakes. Tonally, both of the programs have an underlying, whoa, that's a lot of snakes, man, vibe. Would you want to go there?
1: That would be pretty cool.
0: Okay. So, like, if you won a trip to Snake Island, you'd be like, oh, heck Yes.
1: Wait, is that, did I?
0: I don't know. I wish that I could give that as a parting gift. Like, and, you know, (laughs) a single, a one-way
1: trip to Snake Island. You're banished.
0: That would be like literal hell on earth for some people, and it would be like your heaven.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could could be a little bit more creative if I'm going to describe heaven, but I'd have fun. Okay, there's
0: also (laughs) snow cone machines there, and uh, it never gets too hot.
1: Hey, you know what? I had 13 minutes to explore this room <laughs> and the storage in there. There's a freezer in there. It's full of ice cream. Is it really? And Hot Pockets.
0: <gasps> I l- are you kidding me? Oh, dang. I yeah. left for 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. I might take a Hot Pocket on the way out. <laughs> Charge to the room. I'm a baller. Okay. John Worster wants to know, what is the coldest climate that a snake is able to live in?
1: Yeah, snakes are pretty adaptable, and you can find them pretty far north. There's adders. Vi- it's a kind of viper in uh, Europe. They're in Scandinavia. What? Yep, northern Russia. And over here in North America, you can have garter snakes all the way up through Canada. Not through Canada, but um, through much of it. And uh, it's all about strategies, you know, the the viper in Europe. It's going to be underground for most of the year, and then it warms up for a couple months, and then it gets really busy, you know, figuratively and and literally (laughs) in 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 just that brief window. Uh, Garter snakes, they also have a relatively small window, but they need to find these really unique areas to spend the winter. That's why you're going to see them congregating in some areas like the snake pits and Narcisse. Um, These are limestone Caves basically that go below the freezing level, and in the fall they're all congregating, In the spring they're all emerging. Tens of thousands of snakes—pretty cool.
0: Was there a scene in Indiana Jones where he falls into a, a pit of snakes?
1: Yes, that was a kind of a less natural situation, but yeah, I, I think you can hear things rattling and hissing, and they're all harmless snakes.
0: When you see a snake pit—is it or video of a snake pit? Have you ever seen one in real life?
1: I did go to the Narcisse Snake pits and, and that was pretty cool
0: did it just look like like bonnaroo for snakes like it was just like so many snakes you couldn't even see who was yeah. who?
1: more like what's those hedonism resorts it was kind of like that for snakes
0: like a burn like a burning man like snake <laughs> like snake
1: burning man if you say so i've never been so just i don't know
0: everyone just nude and just who's doing wow I, had, I didn't know, I, you know, okay, because, again, my family's from Montana, and one of them posted some video of a bunch of rattlesnakes all in a den, and it was so fascinating to watch. Like, do you spend time looking at videos online of of weird stuff?
1: Too much time.
0: Really? What's your favorite hashtag? What's, what's the one that you use the most?
1: Not a copperhead. Right. N- not a cottonmouth. Yeah, I started doing that because people are finding snakes, and... You know, I'll just, you know, 90% of the snakes people see, they think it's venomous and often it's a copperhead. And so I just wanted to highlight how often people make that mistake. And so, yeah, check that one out.
0: Would you say that the best way to check really quick on whether or not a snake is is venomous is just to look for the triangle-shaped head?
1: So it gets back to what we were talking about earlier in that I don't emphasize tips or tricks or specific features because there's always exceptions. Mm -hmm. And many harmless snakes actually, when they're feeling defensive, they will make their head look like a triangle. So a lot of snakes have made a really critical error in making themselves look venomous. Uh, So it's just kind of an overall feel. And once you start getting comfortable with the snakes, you'll you'll be able to identify them quickly. So you just got to read more books on snakes. Yeah, I mean, it's not satisfying. Like, hey, how do I learn snakes? Well, <laughs> read books.
0: Jenna Erickson wants to know, is there such a thing as a snuggly snake? Have you encountered one?
1: Yeah, so I was doing an outreach event just on Friday, as a matter of fact, and I had this huge black pine snake, and it was cold out. And the snake, you know, we used to call them cold-blooded, but ectothermic is the technical term. Mm-hmm. It was cold. It wanted to warm up. And so it wrapped itself around my neck. And that's where it hung out. So that was kind of a cuddly snake.
0: Just getting up in there.
1: Exactly. It
0: was a little snake scarf.
1: It was a big one, but yeah.
0: How many pounds did it weigh? Oh, well. Or how many feet? How do you how do you quantify a snake? When you say, I saw a big snake, do you say it was like this big, this long, weighed this much?
1: yeah they always weigh less than people expect so i i generally generally go with length because that's more impressive it was you know five or six feet
0: that's a big snake yeah it was that's quite a scarf it's quite a statement (laughs) thank you um bonnie dutch uh who is amazing she designs a lot of uh the merch that we have on on the site i need to get some i know i'll hook you i'll hook you up um bonnie wants to know can all different snake breeds be friends Uh, She said, we used to play in a sunny hill covered in snakes as kids. What? Um, And there would be all colors and sizes all chilling together in the sun. Um, She said it was like like the sun was their God and the hill was church. So she asked, was there no fighting in church? Are they just cool all the time?
1: I would have loved to see this scene. It sounds really cool. Um, So snakes are a really diverse group. Some will eat each other. Some will spend the winter together because they're limited by those unique places where they can escape the cold. So, yeah, some are friends. Some are food. Uh, I'm using friends, not literally. Right. But they they can spend time to, with each other for sure.
0: I didn't know that. I figured that they'd be like, uh, I'm the snake on this scene. Please remove yourself from my orbit.
1: So that would be something we associate with a territorial animal. And there's really limited evidence that snakes are territorial.
0: Oh, so they're nicer than we've given them credit for.
1: That's what I keep trying to tell everybody.
0: Um, let's see. Coralina Ludden wants to know, what is the appeal of having a snake as a pet? Uh, what do you do with them? She said, I'm not into them, but I want to understand.
1: Mm. Well, thank you for you know wanting to put yourself in other people's shoes. That's, that's admirable, right? <laughs> um, I don't have any snakes as pets, but they're beautiful. They're low-maintenance. They don't smell. They're not going to be barking. So kind of the perfect pet.
0: And they eat like once every couple of weeks,
1: right? Yeah, really easy.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Emily Georgia wants to know, where does the scary noodle's body end and the tail begin? Or is it just a tail with eyes?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean.
1: It's actually just a neck with eyes. <laughs> um, so the tail, technically it's going to start... At the cloaca, and I know that listeners already know what the cloaca is from yeah. <laughs> their interview a couple weeks ago.
0: So if you're not familiar with cloacas, go back, take a listen to the ornithology episode, where you will learn everything you need to know about all-purpose orifices that are reptile and bird buttholes.
1: Yeah, it's it's not—the tail is not a big portion of the body. It's like the last eighth.
0: So it's sub-cloaca. Exactly. Oh, that's good to know.
1: Posterior to the cloaca.
0: Posterior cloaca? hmm That sounds like a really awesome neighborhood in Brooklyn. <laughs> I live in posterior cloaca. We have, like, really good brunch <laughs> spots. Okay. Oh, Sam Gottfredson says, what are the mechanisms that cause a snake to bite even after it's dead?
1: Nerves. OK. Yeah. If an animal gets hit by a car or is killed suddenly, it still might have some nerves firing and that could cause the mouth to close. Uh,
0: Jocelyn Furness has a very important question. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Can snakes fart?
1: Who asked this question?
0: <laughs> uh, Jocelyn Furness. But Jenna Erickson also wanted to know the answer.
1: OK. Do you know about this book called No? Uh, Does It Fart?
0: No, <laughs> I don't.
1: I feel like this person knows about it because uh, it was last year or so. Somebody asked me if snakes fart and (laughs) people ask that to me, not infrequently. So I said, sigh. Yes, they do. Uh, And that started a hashtag. (laughs) Does it fart? And Nick Caruso and Danny Rabalodi. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Compiled all the answers and, and wrote a book. Does it fart? What? Yeah. And they should give me a cut after I just plugged their book.
0: So were you partly one of the things that precipitated this to exist?
1: I really can't take credit for it. I did answer a question on the topic and they they ran with it.
0: Oh my god. This is history. This is like when you find out like who was at the signing of the Declaration of Independence in the <laughs> background. Like this is so exciting. Um This
1: can, is bigger than that. This is bigger than that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Kate Gilmore, who was our primatologist on episode two, wants to know, why do some lay eggs and some give birth to live young?
1: It's such an interesting phenomenon and it's kind of a quirk of evolution. Uh, and so because this is a rapid fire segment, I can't really get into <laughs> you know, the details of it. But the general idea is that egg laying was probably the ancestral condition. That's what the the animal in the beginning had. And then live birth evolved from that, but it hasn't been directly. There's, they've been going back and forth. There's different kinds of egg laying and live birth. So evolution. Okay. Yeah.
0: What are the advantages of live birth?
1: So you can, let's see. The eggs are really good because you've got this really climate controlled little spot, but... The live birth, you know, they're ready to go. They're not as vulnerable to predation. So that would probably be a, a, a big benefit.
0: They can outrun whatever.
1: Yeah, they can start biting stuff. They're ready to go.
0: They hit the ground biting. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, uh,
1: and, and in stable climates, it, it, it might be an advantage because you don't necessarily need that enclosed space in an egg.
0: I always think, again, Indiana Jones, at live snake. You know what I mean? All of my snake, all of my reptile knowledge apparently is from
1: Harrison Ford movies. Well, I'm going to blow your mind because many of the animals in that scene were actually legless lizards. What? Yeah.
0: Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. What? All right. Okay. I took a dive into the snake pit of info and oh man, he was right. Okay. For the most part. Now, there's a scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indy and Marion have to escape the Well of Souls, which is a snake-filled underground bunker.
1: Take this. Wave it at anything that slithers. Oh, thank God! This whole place is
0: Turns out, most of the snakes in the Well of Souls weren't actually snakes at all, but legless lizards, which have visible ear holes. Which snakes don't have. Okay, why? Why did they put legless lizards in there? Well, 3,000 snakes were ordered months in advance, but the production crew laid out all the snakes, and they discovered that 3,000 was nowhere near enough to blanket the set in their snake-covered dystopia. So another 7,000 snakes were procured for a total of 10,000 snakes. But a bunch of those, they had to get a bunch of legless lizards in a pinch, So, Indy and Marion in it are swinging torches around and apparently filming was a nightmare because these ectotherms weren't afraid of fire, and they actually tried to get closer to the flames to warm themselves. They just could not take direction. I'm sorry. Why did they do that? Okay, we got this a little mixed up. I thought David was talking about another aphidiophobic, that's fear of snakes, Seen at a dinner in Temple of Doom where a snake is slit and a bunch of alive snakes tumble out. So it turns out that dish is called Coiled Wrigley's, a.k.a. Snake Surprise, and according to this Indiana Jones fan page, it was live baby eels stuffed inside a moist boa constrictor. So the eels were also not snakes, and don't worry, this dish does not appear to be real. It is a fictitious menu item. Anyway, but Indiana Jones, eels in one movie, legless lizards in another.
1: Maybe they were, I got a good deal. You can tell the difference if you look at them.
0: Well, you could tell the difference. You I mean, could tell the difference. I Could I tell the difference? Mm-hmm. Shape of the head? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to look into this.
1: Um, okay, so here's the way you tell the difference between a snake and a legless lizard. You have a staring contest with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll beat the lizard because uh, they have eyelids and the snakes do not.
0: <gasps> oh, my God. Daniel L- Lavaneras I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, who is awesome. He asks, from flattened out ribs to glide to tail scales that look like a spider to lure birds and worm-like appearances to feed on ant larva, larvae, snakes are awesome. But which is the most awesome adaptation you've seen?
1: The most awesome adaptation is just the fact. That, look, imagine you had to survive in the woods with no arms and no legs. How how long would you last?
0: Oh yeah, no, I'd be toast.
1: Yeah, this is, but all these different kinds of snakes have figured out a way to make it work, and so I think that's that's my answer.
0: Ah, just the fact that they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it worked snakes. for them, you know. They they lost their limbs probably because it's easier to move underground, um, but somehow they've figured out all these amazing ways to get by. Whether it's constricting their prey, or this modified saliva that's basically venom, or things like indigo snakes, which are just grabbing other snakes and chewing their head. I mean, you do, you do what you got to do.
0: Uh, if a snake gets bitten by another snake, is it like ha, nice try, dude? Or is it like, oh, you got me with my own tactic?
1: (laughs) Never saw it coming.
0: (laughs) I mean, do they are they immune to their own venom?
1: No, they're not immune, and you know, so when snakes are storing their venom, they're in these specialized glands. But if another snake were to bite a snake and it gets into their bloodstream, they they would see effects from that.
0: Wow, they'd be like, why you got to do me like this,
1: pal? I I thought we were friends. I thought we covered that.
0: Man, um. Uh, Aaron Talbert, hi Aaron, wants to know, is it true that rattlesnakes are starting to evolve and become much more sneaky because they're using their rattles less?
1: This is one of the things that I hear a lot and it makes sense, but there isn't really evidence for it. So I put this in the urban legend category.
0: Okay, it might be flim flam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's one step closer to debunking flimflam.
1: Yeah. NPR had a story about this. Okay. And so that gave it a lot of play. And there's different variations. One is that people are killing the snakes that make a lot of noise. Another one is that pigs are eating the snakes that are making a lot of noise. Again, it makes sense, but we don't really have evidence that it's actually happening.
0: How can pigs eat snakes?
1: They are tough. Really? They are really tough, and they probably feel it. When they're eat- when they're bitten by a venomous snake, but it doesn't necessarily... it might ruin their day, but it doesn't kill them.
0: Wow, they just keep going.
1: They're they're machines. Wow. They are an incredible destructive force throughout this country. They're, pigs? they're yeah. Wow I feral didn't know feral pigs.
0: I had no idea. So today's invasive feral wild pigs are descended from wild boar that was introduced plus escaped domestic pigs and some hybrids of the two and i found out wild pigs are super destructive they cause the us like 1.5 billion dollars each year in damages they look like a barnyard pig who went on a low carb diet and grew its hair out into like a lazy shag they eat crops they they edge out native species they spread disease they're considered vermin in some states they are also considered really fucking adorable by me. I'm sorry. So they're like, Pfft, whatever, dude. Yeah. That's tough. I had no I had no idea. Go pigs. Um, Ginger Larson wants to know, do you have any tips or advice for herpin? Also, can you define herpin?
1: Yeah. Herpin is one of the terms or going out and catching herps is something that you don't want to necessarily use uh, in mixed company without explaining that <laughs> herping – is the act of going out looking for amphibians and reptiles. Remember those animals make up herpetology, which is creepy crawly things. And herps is shorthand for amphibians and reptiles as well. So the number one trick is to learn the natural history of these animals, walk around natural areas and just look, uh, they're not going to be advertising their presence. So, uh, just walk slowly, pay attention to your surroundings, uh, and I'm sure you'll come across something.
0: Be a little patient.
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes those nature shows spoil us and they do a lot of editing and cutting. And so it seems like you're seeing an animal every 10 seconds. Often it takes a lot of walking around before you find something because they don't want to be found. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So just give it a minute.
1: Give it a minute. And if you want to talk, you know, specifics in the spring at dusk drive around natural areas often these snakes and frogs will be crossing the road after rains you might find amphibians walking to wetlands. uh so it depends on what kind of species and, and where you're living
0: what is the best kind of boot for this activity do you what have do a, you got uh, oh these are not these are not these are like uh, mall boots they're not gonna do it
1: that would probably fend off most reptile attacks okay yeah uh I wear closed-toed shoes if I know I'm going to be in an area where there's venomous snakes. That's really all the precaution I take. And I just watch where I put my feet.
0: You don't wear like, a, a like iron anklets? Because don't they like to go over the ankles
1: a little bit? Uh, I've never worn iron anklets before. There are things like snake boots, which are these really rugged... Looking, heavy-duty things. And the only times I've worn those is when I was specifically radio tracking rattlesnakes. So you know you're going right towards it. You're saying, I think the signal is here, and you're walking around. Pretty much everybody I know that studied rattlesnakes has accidentally stepped on one. Oh. But they haven't bitten. Really? Yeah.
0: Later, I was like, wait, how do you put a radio tracker on a freaking rattlesnake, dude. How does that happen? And boy howdy did I find out. I scrubbed through a 22-minute video with banjo music, and I learned that snakes are captured. They're put under general anesthetics, so they don't feel anything. And then a flexible radio antenna is surgically implanted in their skin. Then they're medicated, they recuperate, they're released into the wild. I know this is going to sound a little kooky, all right? But I was like, yeah, maybe alien abductions are real. Like, we do it to snakes and stuff, so like... Maybe that happens to humans. It's possible. Anyway, back to rattlesnakes. Let's say that you were bitten Mm -hmm. because I live in Los Angeles. I hike on occasion. Once I saw a little guy right right next to the trail, a narrow trail. Let's say I had gotten bitten on my ankle. Should I try to suck the venom out with my mouth and spit it out?
1: Your priority should be getting professional medical care. Okay. And I don't tend to give medical advice because that gets me in a little trouble but I'd say that most doctors would probably say not to try sucking out the venom. Okay. Yeah, no tourniquet no sucking out the venom, no ice they say that the most important thing you can do is have a pair of car keys or a cell phone to call somebody
0: Okay, I checked and if you suck on a snake bite you'd only get about one one thousandth of the venom out Yikes! So there's no DIY, there's no life hack for this
1: I do not recommend any life hack for venomous snake bite.
0: I will tell you, let's okay. say that you have a phone and you drop it in water and let's say that you're worried about how much water is in the phone and let's say you were to put your mouth on some part of the phone and suck some of the water out sometimes, that helps.
1: That, that can't be true.
0: I've done that before. <laughs>
1: so, so there's water inside the, I need to look at the phone. <laughs>
0: I dropped my phone in water and tried to suck the water out of the ports.
1: Look, it's a scary, stressful situation. (laughs) I should have
0: just called an ambulance (laughs) at that point. Side note, when we recorded this a month ago, Dr. Steen told me he was leaving Auburn University soon to work—are you ready for this?—on an island with sea turtles. He is now a research ecologist at the Georgia Sea Turtle Center on an island that's called Jekyll Island. He tells me Turtle Island is the bomb. His words. I looked it up, and it's so idyllic and perfect. My stomach started hurting because of beauty.
1: It's yeah. It's you know where people go to vacation. You're going to
0: live on a vacation island full of sea turtles. I'm
1: going to live uh, adjacent to a sea turtle island, which is much better than Snake Island.
0: And I was going to say the the appeal slightly <laughs> higher. So does that mean you get to count baby sea turtles?
1: There, it's a loggerhead nesting beach, and there's a lot of there's a lot of sea turtle action going on there. Yeah, including babies.
0: Oh my God! Yeah. What a dream.
1: It's kind of exciting.
0: Do you dream about uh, herpetology?
1: Um, I can't recall any specific dreams I've had about reptiles and amphibians, but surely surely it's happened.
0: I'm sure. Side note, at this point, the nice lady from the Hampton Inn front desk came into the conference room to show some other lady around. She just forgot we were in there. It had been that long.
1: Ooh. Hi. She just wants to look at this. I'm so
0: sorry.
1: That's fine. Oh, that's okay. I forgot you were in here. No worries. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe they have questions Were you talking on there? Yeah, yeah but it's, it's, oh my God. No, it's a stopping and starting thing Thank Check you Check out what you needed to <laughs> Yeah It's
0: got a refrigerator in here too Yeah, if you need to go look Ice cream so Hot pockets
1: <laughs> You're going to leave that in, right?
0: Yeah, the whole okay. thing They were so sweet <laughs> Okay, from Twitter uh, Glistening Hamsters wants to know Midwife toads I love how they go beep That's not
1: a question Thanks for your comment, glistening. Yeah. Um, I think you're referring to narrow mouth toads, which do have kind of a nasal oh, sound when they're breeding.
0: Oh, they go. Hey. Mm-hmm.
1: That's- I think that's what glistening hamsters is referring to.
0: Okay. So midwife toads are dope. They're named because the male carries around a clutch of fertilized eggs on his back to protect them before letting them hatch and swim away in the water. They chirp, and they sound like a heart monitor. They're like, beep, beep, beep. Now, narrow-mouthed toads have a call that sounds a lot like a lamb bleeding. They're like, meh, meh, meh. Okay. You guys, I love toads. K-Birds1 wants to know, do turtles recognize people they know?
1: So, this is probably a really controversial question, because people perceive things from their pet turtles Mm -hmm. that I, as a researcher, can't necessarily appreciate. So I'm not going to take away from them the fact that maybe turtles do recognize people, but I'm not sure if it's been the subject of rigorous study yet. Okay. You know, crows do. Mm -hmm. Jury is still out on turtles, I think.
0: Do you think in working with turtles, you'll find out if certain ones are like, hey, bro, what's up?
1: I do not think I will find that out, okay. you let me know though, so one thing that we do know is that some turtles are what we call trap happy, mm-hmm. and if you set trap in a wetland it'll it'll be there every day oh yeah what's that about
0: are they are they like martyrs <laughs> or are they just very dumb?
1: maybe maybe oh. they're hungry and dumb <laughs> bad memory, who knows
0: what recidivism though they're just like like I'm back, man,
1: yeah okay hi
0: <laughs> they need better parole officers last question what is the thing about your job or your life as a herper that sucks what are you um, like i hate this
1: you know reptiles and amphibians are really amazing animals highly endangered in general that we're losing species Or paving over their habitats. And so conservation biology is kind of this crisis discipline where you're struggling to learn as much as you can to stave off these extinctions. And sometimes it's not possible. So that kind of sucks.
0: So that's the grand bummer.
1: Yeah, I hope this is not the end of the podcast because we don't want to end on a bummer.
0: No, no, we never end with a stage five bummer. Um, What is the best thing about your job? What just like gives you butterflies, keeps you going? You're like, I'm so lucky. I can't believe they pay me for this.
1: I'm really lucky to work with a great group of people that are really passionate about these animals, passionate about increasing our knowledge of them and making the, the planet a better place for them and us. And that's, that's a great place to be.
0: So your colleagues?
1: My colleagues.
0: Really? So other people are the best thing about your job. That's, that's surprising. You don't normally hear people say that.
1: Yeah. and that, Well, it's true. It's true. It, it's, it's. It really makes things better when you're surrounded by people that are all working towards a common goal and are bright and motivated, and and that's why they're there.
0: Now, if someone wanted to be a herpetologist or a wildlife ecologist, what would you tell them to do? What would you what do you wish you could be like? Hey, yo, little me, do this.
1: <laughs> Get experience any way you can. Um, figure out if it's for you. Surround yourself with people uh, that share those kinds of goals and, and figure out if it's for you and a path will emerge.
0: Is there anything I should eat before I leave Alabama?
1: Barbecue is big here. Okay. I'm not big on barbecue, but barbecue is big here. Oh, and boiled peanuts.
0: Oh, I'll try a boiled peanut. Okay, great. I've never, why do they even do that?
1: They're easier to shell, I guess.
0: Okay. Well, like when have you ever been shelling a peanut and been like, oh, I got to stop and take a nap? Like they're peanuts.
1: Look, if you do a few hundred of them, you, you get cramps. <laughs>
0: Okay, boiled peanuts on the list. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for coming to a Hampton Inn conference room in the middle of Opalika. Opelika? You got it. I got it. Yes.
1: Nice job. I'm honored to be here. I was really excited when I got the invitation.
0: Yay. Sorry about the SD cards. That's fine. <laughs> I hope this worked. Can you imagine if it didn't? So, what did we learn? Unless you wrestle the venomous ones with your hands for sport, don't worry about snakes. Don't worry about snakes. Chances are, if you're afraid of them, it's because your parents were. So rebel against your parents and love a snake. Also, shake a toad's hand and tell it I love them. Now, to find out more about Dr. David Steen, go to com. He has so many links to great science articles he was quoted in, such as the November 2017 issue of Gone Froggin, called him Herper of the Week. And here are two more titles of articles he's been quoted in. This $10 sex toy is helping scientists study turtles. Here are the worst smells in the world, according to scientists. These are marks of good science communication. They're interesting. You can also follow him on Twitter or Instagram at AlongsideWild. He's living alongside wildlife on Facebook. He also runs a nonprofit, which you can learn about at alongsidewildlifefoundation.org. I'll put all these links up in the show notes and at allyward.com slash ologies. So if you don't have a pen, don't worry about it. You can find me at allyward or at ologies on Twitter and Instagram. And head to Instagram for this week's ologies enamel pin set giveaway. I'm so excited. Um, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash ologies. I... Absolutely love making this podcast. I love it so much. And you may have noticed I don't run any ads. It's entirely funded by listeners through Patreon and merch sales. That helps pay my merch, ladies. Um, It helps pay Stephen Ray Morris to sound edit all this for me. He totally undercharges me, and I would love to pay him what he deserves. Thank you so much, Stephen. We will hopefully get to that point. Join the Ologies podcast Facebook group, which is full of some of the best, kind, curious, hilarious people ever. So thank you, Hannah and Aaron, for running that. Uh, Shannon Feltis, who also goes by Urban Farm Foods, and Bonnie Dutch, who's on Etsy, run ologiesmerch.com. Shannon is also a chef in Portland, and she's having a dinner with Thanatologist from Episode 6, Cole and Perry. She's going to come out to Portland. So I'm going to try and get up there for that, too. So you can go to eatfeastly.com for more info on that. Uh, Also, if you listen to the end of the episode, you know that I usually tell some dumb secret at the very, very end as a thank you for sticking it out. I feel like most people don't listen to the very end of a podcast, so I decided to confess weird stuff. This week, I will tell you, I got insanely busy with a bunch of writing deadlines, and I wore the same shirt from Wednesday night. Until Friday afternoon. I mean, I work from home, and it's a great shirt, and I just, time got away from me. Okay, another secret. This is a good secret. This is a less embarrassing secret. I start shooting a new Netflix science show this week. I'm so excited, and I will give you more info on that when I know I legally can, I guess. So until then, ask smart people dumb questions, and ask snake people frog questions. Also, toads have arms. Okay, bye-bye. Hackadermic Zoology, lithology, nanotechnology, meteorology, old factorology, methology, serology, Just Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from
1: Vince. Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.
0: So I have four nieces and nephews and I was talking to my sister about IXL and IXL learning is this fun online program for kids and it covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. My sister and my nephew love it. The way it works is it's powered by AI. So IXL gives the right help to each kid and IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the US. Maybe you've been looking into private tutoring, but it's out of the budget or this is a big school year for your kiddo. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now and all of these listeners can get an exclusive. 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash ologies. So visit IXL.com slash ologies to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.